0: We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Revival We Need, and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called The Transforming Impact of Humility for God. Look back at verse 2 with me. It says, This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I want to look here at this. It says, he who is humble and, what's that mean, contrite in spirit? Uh, Maybe you've seen that before. Really, it means broken in spirit. If you think of the New Testament, when Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's the same general concept but i want to dig a little deeper here for a minute you know this word here contrite in spirit it's an adjective it's it's modifying spirit so we understand what a grateful spirit is or an antagonistic spirit we understand that that spirit concept but what does it mean to be contrite in spirit well this word is used three times in the old testament uh, this time here and then the other two are in uh, the book of second samuel now if you remember back to david Uh, David, as God was raising him up, he built a great friendship with a man named Jonathan. And they became close, close friends. Uh, They made a covenant with one another that they would honor each other's family, that if something happened to either one of them, the other one would care for uh, his family, that they would essentially be family. Well, as time went on, and you remember the story, Saul dies, Jonathan dies, and David becomes king. And there's a certain point where he reaches out and he asks, is there anyone left from the family of Saul? And uh, he was thinking of probably Jonathan in particular. Well, as it turns out that Jonathan did have a son, but he was a son that had been crippled. He had been dropped. He had uh, broken a leg. And think about it in those days, there there wasn't a lot of medical ways to get some things reset. And so uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, was crippled. And for the rest of his life, he had to hobble along in different ways, be carried along. That word crippled is used two times in 2 Samuel to define Mephibosheth. What it's saying here in the text is that God looks with favor and esteem on a person who is crippled in spirit. Now think about being crippled. A crippled person does not have an artificial sense of self-sufficiency. You see, sometimes we build up this artificial sense that I'm, I'm bigger than I am. Everybody, you know, and we have all these things that we think about ourselves and what we hope other people think about us. But, you know, somebody who's crippled, especially think in an Old Testament sense, there's no hope of changing. You're kind of stuck with what you're either born with or your leg was broken and reset the wrong way. You're just kind of stuck with that forever. And there's a limp that he had to live with for the rest of his life. He did not have an artificial sense of his own like, strength and power. Every step he took, every time he moved in any way, he was reminded that he was a broken person. Now what does God look at? God's not looking at us to be broken because he likes us being broken. What he wants us to do is to acknowledge what we already are. The answer is every one of us are a sinner. Every one of us has sinned and chosen to do our own thing. And listen, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're a broken person, a broken people. You see, what God is looking for is for people that can acknowledge what they are because God wants to bring his grace and his favor into our lives. That's what we need. But so many of us, we try to walk in such a way that the limp we actually have, nobody else can see it that no one else can, I I can't acknowledge what I really am, which is a broken person before God. When I think of this word here, contrite, contrite in spirit, what it really makes me think of is not just Mephibosheth, but back to Jacob, and Jacob had an encounter with God, and God, um, he wrestled with God. You can look this up in Genesis, and at the end of the battle, he's touched in his hip and he has this limp that he carries with him and Jacob carries this limp and I want to call that a holy limp Uh, think of kind of putting Jacob and Mephibosheth together a sense of being crippled a sense of having a, a sense of I can't walk without a limp or without being having a sense of being crippled now, some people will turn and say, I want, to, I want everything about my life. To, I don't want to think about my past. I don't want to think about my weaknesses. I don't want to think about the areas of sin in my life. I don't want to think about brokenness. I just want to pretend like everything's okay. And God looks at that and goes, yeah, not impressive, not impressive. What God wants us to learn to do is to walk with a holy limb, to realize that we do carry a limb, that we are crippled, that we are broken, and that we need him. You know, God does not look down on our brokenness or our crippledness. He does not look down on it with a sense of despising us. It's quite the opposite. The person who's actually able to embrace their holy limp, he longs to come and sit by us and to walk through life with us and to help us through our brokenness and to support us and to care for us. God is not looking to reject us. God is looking to pour his mercy on us. Here's what God esteems. Here's the second thought I want to give you. God esteems your commitment to lower yourself by acknowledging your brokenness before him. You know, it's hard to keep up appearances, isn't it? You know, so many of us try to keep up appearances. We go into certain social settings. We want everybody to think, something or not think something about us, right? So we try to live, to kind of keep these appearances up. We got to keep up appearances over here and over here. And I want these people to think that I'm cool. And I, you know, it'd be nice if that was limited to junior high, but it isn't, is it? No, It's, it's something we go through throughout life. We want to keep up appearances. You know, it's hard to keep appearances with the people around us. It's impossible to keep up appearances with God because God looks straight through it. God sees the fake. God sees the fake news we're trying to make and give to other people to try to impress him. It doesn't impress God. In fact, actually, it's quite the opposite. God is not impressed by our sense of, I got it all together, Uh, this is who I am. It's not really who I am, but it's why I want you to think that I am. Listen, confession, confession of brokenness invites God's mercy. Confession of broken is confessing who I really am god i 'm a sinner, God I feel anger at times toward people I maybe shouldn't or God i don't feel like forgiving certain people or god i I, I have a past and i don 't always know what to do, and sometimes that even confuses me about what I should do next and God sometimes i 'm afraid to tell my kids about what i 've done in the past because i don't want them to do the same thing, and i I, I want other people around me to think that i 'm a good Christian when in fact i 'm massively struggling with depression or bad habits or whatever the case may be listen god god wants you to confess who you really are that invites the mercy of god that impresses god you know a person that walks with a holy limp who embraces their brokenness listen those are the people that are real i think we all want to be around people that are real We want to be around people who aren't putting an artificial picture of who they are in front of us all the time. We want people that live real lives. Now, how do we do that? People that live real lives are people that repent. They're people that forgive. They're people that are filled with hope. They repent differently. They forgive differently. They hope differently. Listen, there is a, those who are broken and are willing to be real about who they really are, not only with God, but with everyone around them, there is a sweetness, a softness, a peace and joy that only comes from the holy spirit i would appeal to you that's the life you want to live a life that's filled with sweetness and joy not a sense of fakeness and artificiality now i think about our lives here for a moment what do we naturally do we're thinking about here what the text says the person who's humble and contrite in spirit they're really two sides of the same coin what we do in our real lives is we try to raise our sense of appearance, right? I want to e- I w- I raise my ego and raise my sense of, uh, of purpose and, and that I belong. And so we raise ourselves up in the presence of others, trying to make ourselves look good or say the right thing all the right times. And, and we are raising our sense of pride while at the same time, what do we try to do? We try to lower our sense of brokenness. We try to hide it. We, we put up false walls around our brokenness. We do all these things, and we're trying to raise ourselves and lower our brokenness. And what, Here's the thing. What ends up happening is, by raising my pride, I become hard-hearted. By pushing down my, and trying to hide my brokenness, I end up diminishing my fruitfulness and serving Jesus Christ. What God is looking for is just the opposite. God is looking for us to put down our pride and sense of ego and looking for us to bring before him our sense of brokenness. Listen, what we need is God's grace. And when I'm pride, when I'm trying to raise myself, what I'm saying is, God, I don't need you. I got this. And and grace, God's grace floods the life of the person who puts themselves aside and acknowledges their need for God. And the person that brings their brokenness to the surface and says, no, I'm a sinner, and then without God, I'd be nothing. I'd be headed to life in eternity. Without him, my life would be even more of a mess than it already is. And when we do that, it invites God's mercy. Listen, God's grace and mercy is what we need. It is healing, it is hope, it is health in God. I want to just illustrate this for a second, just to make the point a little bit more clearly. You know, our lives are like this broken glass, okay? And many of us try to live our lives before Christ and try to just kind of make it work. And then we come to Christ and we find forgiveness, but sometimes we keep living the same way, which is I want to kind of pretend like my brokenness isn't here and I want to come before God in a way that really, doesn't, I don't really want to talk about that stuff. And so what we do on this side is we inflate our ego while trying to deny that the broken things in my life are there, and watch what happens, right? We inflate our lives a little bit. We inflate it. If only people saw a little bit more of me. Yeah, well, let's get some more of me in there. And, and do we deal with the brokenness? No, we don't. We keep trying to pretend like it's not there, and we keep. But if I keep making the balloon bigger, this will all end well. Okay. That's what happens when we build up our pride, and diminish our brokenness. You see, God doesn't want things to end like that. God does not want us in a pile, in a mess. God wants to pour out his grace on us. God wants to show us his love and his mercy. Let's look at how he does that. Here, look back at the text to me. It says, this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and here's the last line, and trembles at my word. You see, God wants us to let our pride go. He wants us to acknowledge our need for him. And then this this culminates in turning to God and saying, God, how do you want me to live my life? What do you want me to do, God? Bless of me. I'm done with trying to do things my way. God, what do you want me to do? And then God says, would you like to know? Here, here's a copy of what I'd like you to do who trembles at God's word. Now that's not just saying, well, let's grab my Bible and it's a sense of God's message to you, wanting God to speak to you not just reading verses but but God this is God's message of love to you this is God's message of holiness to you this is God's message of grace and mercy to you he says this is the person that I that gets my attention that I esteem this is the person that impresses me the person that gets my word out and trembles or takes it seriously who revels in this who reverences my word that is the person God says that I will look at. That is the person that impresses me. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Here's the third thought I want you to have this morning. It is God esteems your commitment to lower yourself in great reverence for the truth of his word. You see, the world is telling us, oh, that's just stuff that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you don't need that. Those are old fashioned. Listen, God is from everlasting to everlasting. God is the, Jesus Christ said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is God's truth to us through all eternity. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, he said uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. These are the eternal words, and when we bring ourselves to God's word, not just to read it to get a check mark, but to put our lives under his word, under his grace, under his mercy, under his truth, that is when God begins to do extraordinary things. But God himself is extraordinarily impressed when people come under his word. How do we reverence the truth of God's word? Maybe you're asking that, well, how do I do that? How do I bring myself under God's word? I want to give you a verse. It's from Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. I love what Ezra did. This is uh, in a season after the people of God had rejected God. God had destroyed Jerusalem. And and then uh, 70 years later, people began to come back as God fulfilled his promises from his word. And he brought the people back. And uh, later on, Ezra was one of the people that led a group back. And here's what Ezra did. When it came to God's word... did three things. I want you to see this in the text here. It says, for Ezra had set his heart. I love that. Set his heart. He determined this is the thing I'm going to do with my life. He said he set his heart to study the law of the Lord, or it's another way of saying God's word. He set his heart to study the word, to know the word, and that's why I would appeal to you, if you want to apply this, set your mind, I'm going to read a chapter a day, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, I'm going to memorize a verse a month, those are things that my people and my small group, my people, <laughs> my grace group, that's what we're talking about, how am I going to get God's word into me? I want to study it, I want to know it, and second of all, it says that not only did he know it, because this is sometimes where evangelical Christians miss the point, they're full of head knowledge, but they don't do it. You see, if you're going to be a humble person, if you're going to invite the gaze of God, if you're going to invite a God who's impressed with what you're doing, it's someone who does the word of God. Doesn't just hear it, but does it. And then finally it says, then he taught God's word. He taught his statutes and rules in Israel. You see, that, maybe that's what God wants you to do in your family. Maybe you're not doing that. Or you're not doing that with people around you, friends, maybe even coworkers. Okay, you're... Studying God's word, you're doing it, but you're not enabling even others to hear about it. And Ezra said, I'm gonna do all three of these. I'm gonna set my heart to study the word of God. I'm gonna set my heart not just to study it, but to do it. I'm gonna obey God's word. God's word has control over my life. I am going to honor God's word. When he says go left, I go left. When he says go right, I go right. When he says go straight, I go straight. And then I'm gonna teach it to other people and bring them into the joy of God's word as well. Listen, a passion for learning and doing God's word is humility in motion, okay? What is humility like in motion? Well, take the car out of the garage, and let God's word begin to change your life as you put it into action. That is humility, not sitting in my garage somewhere else. I hope it's, it's getting the car out and driving the car and putting it into motion. Listen, studying God's word is putting humility into motion, into action. What's the next step for you? Could I ask you that? Could I ask you to maybe even write something down in your notes right now or take your phone out and, and write a reminder? I am going to take a new step this week. I am going to read a chapter. I'm going to start in the book of Luke, or I'm going to start in the book of Romans. I'm going to start this week with a chapter a day, and I'm going to begin to feed my soul on God's word. Maybe today you're hearing this, and you're thinking, man, my heart is so filled with pride. If God looks at me, he's looking at a mess, and not just a mess, he's looking at a hot mess. And maybe you're even thinking the question: Am I hopeless? Is there any hope for me, Pastor? It's too late. It's too late. I've done too many things wrong. I've been so filled with pride, and I've totally tried to push out of my life all the brokenness and ignore it. and, And and this is my life. Is there any hope for me? And the answer is absolutely there is. You know, I've been personally reading through the book of. Ezekiel. And I came across a verse that I want to read to you. It's Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 36. And it says this It says, Then the nations that are left all around you, now keep in mind, this is a prophecy looking forward toward a time when the nation was being wiped out because of its disobedience. It says, And then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. And, and this is where God gives hope. He says, I'm going to, even though I'm going to send you all into exile in Babylon, I'm going to bring you back. And notice what God does. Does he say, I'm just gonna bring you back and kind of smack you around? Uh, That's not what he says, is it? He says, I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Now, something you notice about God that's kind of a snapshot here is that God always has a way of being redemptive. It's part of the nature of God. God is a rebuilding, reinvigorating, redemptive God. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you're thinking, oh man, it's over for me. I, there's no hope for me. I can, I've never been. Listen, if you will humble yourself today, if you will uh, embrace your holy limp, that you are a crippled person, that you are be crippled in spirit and acknowledge it for what it is, if you will bring yourself under God's word, God has good plans for you. God wants to redeem your present and your future and even your past. God wants to work in you and pour out his grace on you. Listen, God is a restorer by nature. And notice he said he rebuilt and he's a replanter. God is the rebuilder of the ruined. God is the replanter of the desolate. And if your life is ruined in your perspective or if it is desolate, is like a wilderness. Listen, God is the God who replants and rebuilds. And if you will let him, if you will humble yourself, God can bring the revival you need to your family, to our church. Listen, the revival we need in our hearts, in our families, in our church, in our nation begins with lowering ourselves and embracing a holy limp and running to God's word for the life that it is. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 says this, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, that's God himself, Who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That is God's heart. God God's up but he comes with those who are broken and willing to embrace him. Will you do that today? And here's the really cool thing. Not only does God high and lifted up and embrace being with the lowly. When we see in the New Testament God himself in flesh. In Matthew chapter 11 it says of Jesus Jesus said, Not only is God with the lowly, it says in Matthew 11, 28, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what is it saying there? Not only is God near the lowly, Jesus Christ Himself was the lowly person though he is the God of the universe Jesus Christ said I am meek and lowly in heart I God in the flesh am lowly God himself is this God is not filled with pride so the question I would have for you today are you willing are you willing to surrender surrender your pride and your appearance keeping habits are you willing to surrender those to God today I'm not this is not a game. Scripture says in James chapter four, verse six, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, the question I would have for you today, are you going to live the life that God opposes, or are you gonna live the life that God gives grace to you? That's really the whole point of this message. Do you want to open the door to God's grace and allow God's grace to flood your life and your family and your brokenness and the hurting areas, or... Are you gonna continue to tell God, "Now I got this, I got this. Watch me, God, watch me, I got this. Listen, as your shepherd in the Lord, the greatest desire I have for you and the greatest desire I have for me, for my family, for your family, for our church family, is that we would embrace a life that invites God's grace, that doesn't resist God, that doesn't keep God at a distance, but the hand that invites God, the, the, the person that invites God's favor, God's esteem, Let's pray together. Father, we acknowledge that we are nothing apart from you. That Apart from the work of your son, Jesus Christ, we are nothing. Lord, I pray for the person today who maybe you're convicting by your spirit, who is walking in pride, who is not wanting to acknowledge their brokenness, who's trying to act like everything's okay when it really isn't. Father, apart from you, we are nothing. Apart from you, we are broken and headed to all kinds of messes and more messes. But Father, I pray right now that you would, by your spirit, enable us to humble ourselves. Lord, we come to you right now. We ask that you would work in us. Lord, would we humble ourselves before you? Lord, I pray that our church would be filled with people who you delight to look upon. Lord, help us today to be a people who humble ourselves, who are contrite in spirit and who tremble at your word. God, would your spirit move among us. We need your reviving power in our lives, in our church, in our nation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.